Thank you for tuning in to RTM Nation Online, where we believe that you will receive the abundance of peace, prosperity, security, stability, health, healing, and truth. If you would like to learn more about the ministry, click the link below. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Now let's get into the message. Problem has been the reason that believers, church people, people who believe, people who read their Bible, people who, you know, um, ascribe to Christianity. The problem has been that for many church folk, the reason we haven't seen things flow the way that God has promised or God has set them up is because we, 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 we apply like this day pass attitude when it comes to the kingdom. You know, day pass, like, you know, the pass that you get to go to a theme park, you know, you get a day pass. That means that you get purchase a pass and you can within the 12 hours of a day, you can visit any of the parks that you want to. So you're free to go in and out. And that's how we've been treating the kingdom of God. We go in and out. You know, we'll go in when we need something and come out when we, everything is OK. But the truth of the matter is that the kingdom doesn't work like that. You know, part of you being stable is having some resolve about where you want your citizenship. Deciding up front where you belong. So the scripture tells us in Matthew 6, it tells us to seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first his rulership over our lives. Seek first his dominion. Seek first his 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 leadership. That's the first thing that I have to do. I have to sit my submit myself to him as my king. If he's the king, then the way that he says to live is the way that I govern myself. What he says is right is right. What he says is wrong is wrong. I'm a citizen in his kingdom. He is my king. So I'm seeking first his rulership over my life. If I'm a citizen of his kingdom, then I am not in between two opinions. I've decided to surrender myself to him. So then like a shepherd, he leads me. So I'm seeking his kingdom first. I'm seeking his kingdom first. I'm, and then it says to seek not only his kingdom, but seek his righteousness. What does that mean to seek his righteousness? That's not a word that we use a lot today. Righteousness to seek his righteousness is to seek his right way of doing things. I'm seeking his right way of doing things. Every kingdom has a way. My king has a way of doing things. So as a citizen of his kingdom, not only am I, am I seeking his leadership and his governing over me, but I'm submitting myself to his way of doing things because he does have a way. And as I surrender to his rulership over my life and I surrender to his way of doing things, then the way that he's established things, the provision that he set up for his kingdom the provision he set up for his agenda to be fulfilled is free to flow through me because I've aligned myself with his way of doing things. So then what's important to him is now important to me. What's priority to him is now priority to me. His agenda is my agenda. I'm a citizen of his kingdom. And what we're looking at is that in Matthew, in, in Matthew chapter 14 and Mark chapter 6, in Mark chapter 8 and John chapter 6, we get a perfect picture of how the kingdom operates. It's a familiar passage of scripture to us. We've heard the story inside and outside of church. We've heard people talk about it. You know, it's the feeding of the 5,000 when Jesus fed the multitude. And for years, We've heard that story and we've rehearsed that story and we preached that story and we've read it and read it and there are plays about it. And we've 
watched skits and movies and, and we, we, we felt that we knew that account pretty well, but we've missed something in there. We fell to the same temptation as the people who were living during the miracle. We find out that the people there, just like the people today, missed the meaning of the miracle. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. The meaning of the miracle was the meaning of the miracle. See, for years, we've talked about Jesus feeding the 5,000, and we've talked about Jesus feeding the 4,000, and we left just knowing that Jesus is a miracle worker, and if you need it, he'll do it. If you got a little, he'll make it a lot. And all of that is true. Jesus is a miracle worker, and Jesus did work the miracle, and Jesus did take two fish, five loaves, and fed 5,000 families. Yes, he did that. But the people then, just like people today, walked away thinking that that was the point. So we got people today who consider themselves citizens of his kingdom. People today consider themselves church folk still looking for a miracle. And that wasn't Jesus' point. And there are people there, and John 6 points out the people who followed Jesus. And Jesus being the man that he was, he calls him on it. He said, you ain't following me because you saw God in me. You follow me because I fed you for free. You follow me because I gave you bread. You follow me because you saw a miracle. And you're seeking me because you want to see more miracles. That wasn't the point. And we'll look at how even the Pharisees came and they questioned Jesus. And he said, you know what? Basically, Jesus, if you want us to believe that you are who you are, then do something. (laughs) Perform another miracle. Give us a sign. Give us proof that you are who you are. And Jesus said, man, if if you don't know me by now. I saw that son of my wife the other day. Jesus said, if you don't know me by now, if you don't know me by all the things that I've already done, then I ain't giving you no sign. I'm not giving you any more sign than the signs that you've already seen. And then he warned his disciples. He said, don't get caught up in their way of thinking. Don't get caught up in their way of thinking. He warned his disciples. He warned his followers. He warned the people who said that they follow him. He warned the church folk. Don't get caught up in their way of thinking, always looking for signs. Understand that the point of that was not the miracle. And that's what he's telling us today. Listen, it's time to get it. It's time to stop wandering around this mountain. It's time to stop hitting and missing. It's time to stop stumbling from one miracle to the next miracle. It's time to walk in a perpetual flow. And in order to walk in flow, say flow, Flow. you've got to know the meaning of of the miracle. Amen. 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 So Jesus says this, Jesus says this, and this is the, 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 the part of the scripture that I want you to really key in on and, and, and study, and we're going to pull this apart. Jesus says this, he, he just received the two fish, the five loaves, picture him, he has the two fish and he has the five loaves in his hands. The scripture says that he takes it, he lifts it up to heaven, he gives thanks unto it, he breaks it, into pieces. He then gave it to his disciples, who in turn gave it to the crowds. And everyone ate until they were satisfied. They picked up 
leftovers and filled up 12 baskets full. His portion is our distribution. Talking to the church. His portion is our distribution. Talking to the community. His portion is our distribution. I'm talking to the citizens of his kingdom. His portion is our distribution. See, unlike other governments, unlike worldly governments, other governments need your money. Other governments need your resources. The government that we live in here in America doesn't even ask you. They just they got it set up where they take theirs off top because they need it in order to do what it is that they do. Whatever it is that they do, they need it. But God's government isn't like other governments. God already got enough. God has all that he needs and more. The Bible says that he owns a cattle upon a thousand hills. Not only does he own the cattle on them hills, but he owns the hills. Not only does he own the cattle upon the hills, but he owns the hills and he owns the grass that the cattle graze on. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. He says the silver is mine and the gold is mine. He's the owner. He's full. He don't need He's full. He's the sufficient one. He's not only the source, but we're going to find out that he is also the supply. Oh, that's good news right there. So in this in this in this account of Jesus feeding the five thousands, we see his disciples, the church, the community, his followers bring to him what they have. And that's the thing about what we have, church. What we have is never enough to do what the kingdom needs done. We will never find in ourselves sufficiency to do what he's called us to do. Because he will never want you to be in a position where you by yourself can accomplish what he's called you to do. If you ever find yourself in a position where you can do it by yourself, then know right away that you're not doing what he's assigned you to do. That's right. That's right. We see his disciples bringing what they have, which is not enough. It's insufficient. They got two fish and five loaves and they expected to feed 5000 families. It's impossible. But Jesus takes what they have. He takes what they have. He takes the not enough. He takes the thing that most of the time we would overlook. Right. He takes the thing that we would dismiss because we we obviously see that it's not enough. And it's so interesting how many not enoughs we have. It's so interesting how many things that we would count as not enough. We would dismiss dismiss as not enough. And in that moment of dismissing what we have, we miss out on what he can do. Because we often look past what we have into something that we want, not understanding that when we operate according to his system, he'll multiply what you have to make it enough because he wants to do things that on the back end of it, he don't want to be able to say, Leo, you did it. He wants you and everybody else to know that he did it. So he wants to take your not enough and make your not enough enough. He wants to be in a situation where he takes what you have and makes what you have more than what you thought. Mm -hmm. His disciples, the followers, the community bring what they had. Don't ever take for granted what you have. Don't ever overlook what you have. 
There's significance in what you have. There's value in what you have. Don't overlook. Don't look past what you have. Don't think that you're destitute. Don't feel depressed. Don't feel um, um, that you lack power or you lack sufficiency by overlooking what you have. You have something. You have something. And your Lord Jesus knows what you have because he provided it to you. David gave, David gave the king, King David in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 29, I believe it is. David gave for the building of the temple. He brought what he had. He brought what he had. And while he was giving what he had, he he said in front of the people, he says, Father, we only give back to you what we've received from you. Because everything that you have, you've received. Don't overlook what you have. There's significance in what you have. Never think that what you have is insufficient. Never allow society or anybody else tell you that you don't have what it takes and you don't have enough. You have what it, you have what it takes. You have, what, you have enough. What you have, God gave you. Be grateful for what you have. Be grateful for what you have. Great things have been done with things that other people said are insignificant. Mm -hmm. Moses had an assignment to deliver people from Egypt. He looked at the presence of God in the burning bush and asked, how am I going to do this? Don't you know how big Egypt is? How am I going to go in front of Pharaoh and demand that he let these people go? Don't you know who Pharaoh is? Don't you know that these people consider Pharaoh a God in himself? What do I have to go against the strongest, the mightiest, the largest army in the world? What do I have? Moses saw himself as insufficient. He said, I can't talk and I ain't got nothing. I'm here in the, on the backside of a mountain feeding sheep, and you telling me to go and speak to this king of kings. God said, no, you, you're looking at things the wrong way. Moses said, what do I have? God reversed the question and says, what do you have? And I believe that God is doing the same thing for many of us today. We're going to God talking about, God, what do I have? What are you giving me? You're waiting for something and God is spinning it back on you and saying, what do you have? No, look at what's in your hand, Moses. What is in your hand? Moses said, I got a rod. God said, you're going to take that rod and you're going to work miracles with that rod and you're going to deliver these people with that rod. And we know either you read it in the Bible or you watched it from the Disney movie. We know what Moses did with that rod. There was another woman, I believe she was the Shunammite woman. There was a man of God who was traveling, trying to escape a famine. God told him to go and talk to a widow lady. A widow lady. Husband died. She was poor herself. She was out gathering some sticks to make a fire to Give her and her son their last meal. The prophet, the man of God, the preacher came up to her and and said, listen, before you do whatever it is that you plan to do, I want you to make something for me first. See, God sent me here. And I want you to take what you have and make something for me. And the woman responded to the man of God. I ain't got enough. I only got enough for me and my son. We about to make this last cake with this last little bit of oil and we're going to eat it and we're going to die. 
We don't have enough for ourselves. How do you expect me to feed you? The man of God said, listen, I'm just here following directions. <laughs> Trust me. The lady takes what she has, a little handful of meal and a little, some drips of oil. She makes that cake. <laughs> and the man of God says, the cruise of oil, the jar of oil that you have will never be empty, never run dry. And what started as not enough turned out to be more than enough. We need to see what we have differently. You need to value what you have. You need to value what you have. You need to value the little potential that you got. You need to value the little education that you got. Maybe you didn't do what you were supposed to do while you were in school. But don't, don't look that as a deficiency. Just know that the miracle God is about to work with you, only he could do. You won't be able to blame it on your education. You won't be able to blame it on your network. You'll just be able to say, look what God did with what I gave him. Don't devalue what you have. There's significance to what you have. Get something in your hand. See, Jesus, the first thing Jesus told his disciple was to go get what we have. Go get what you got. The disciple came to him and said that we don't have enough. We don't got enough to feed all these people. It's going to take all of us a month to get enough to feed all these people. Jesus, next thing Jesus told him to do was go get what you got. And that's what we need to do. Go get what you have. You need to take inventory over what you have. Instead of remaining in a place where you're feeling sorry for yourself for what you don't got, you need to recognize what you do have. Go get what you have in your hand. Go get what you have in your hand. Doesn't matter what it is. Go get what you have in your hand. It doesn't matter if your relationships are holding you holding on by a thread. Go get what you have and present it to him. It doesn't matter if your finances are in shambles, take what you have and present it to him. It doesn't matter if you think that you have no talent, little talent, doesn't matter. Take what you have and present it to him. You wondering, uh, you know, you desiring to do things with your life and you're hearing about all these other people with their business ideas and you trying to get yourself a business idea. Take what you got and present it to him and watch what he can do with it. They gave him two fish and five loaves and he took two fish, five loaves and he fed a multitude. Glory to God. Two fish, five loaves. But this is the thing. This is the thing that we got to catch as believers, as the community of God, as church folk. This is the thing that we got to understand. And this is why we can't miss the meaning of the miracle. This is why we just can't stop at Jesus is a miracle worker. See, if we just stop that Jesus is a miracle worker, we'll always be looking for miracles. And as citizens of his kingdom, that is not the way that he asked us to live. See, we don't live by miracles. We live by faith and faith is a lifestyle. Faith is one act after another act. Faith is how we live. That's what he told us to live by. So I can't live my life hoping that he deliver me from one mess and I get myself in another mess and he deliver me from that mess. I got to know how to live mess free. If we understand the meaning of the miracle, we'll learn how to live mess free. I can't keep living from one insufficiency to the next insufficiency and expect for him to keep delivering me from one insufficiency to the next insufficiency. I got to live. If I understand the miracle, I'll understand that there are no insufficiencies. True. He's already gave me enough. Oh, glory. 
I don't know about you, but I'm excited about that. In Mark chapter 8, starting at verse 17, this is what it says. This is Mark chapter 8. In Mark chapter 8, it tells us about another time when Jesus fed a multitude. First time he fed the multitude, it was 5,000. The next time he feeds the multitude, it's 4,000. After he feeds the multitude of 4,000, there are some interesting, interesting things happen. There were some interesting things that happens. After he feeds the multitude, the multitude comes back to him, looking for him to feed them again. And Jesus checks them on that, right? He said, you don't understand, man. You still asking me for miracles. You don't understand. He feeds the 4,000. Afterwards, they had seven baskets of bread left over, large baskets of bread left over. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the haters and all the religious people came to him. And they started to question him. If you are who you say you are, then give us a miracle. Jesus said, I ain't giving you no miracle. If you don't believe me by the work that I've already done, then, hey, the work that I have done already should speak for itself. He gets in a boat with his disciples. He gets in a boat with the church. He gets in a boat with his followers. And this is what happens. Knowing what they were thinking, his disciples, they get in the boat and they fussing about bread. They're arguing about bread. They just watched this man feed a multitude with, with a little bit. And they get in the boat worrying about bread. They just had seven large baskets left over. And they get in the boat worrying about bread. And verse 17 says, knowing what they were thinking, Jesus said to them, why all this fussing over forgetting to bring bread? Why are you fussing about forgetting to bring bread? Same question, different wording. Why are you still worried about provision? Why are you still worried about your provision? No, he's talking to you. (laughs) Why are you still worried about your provision? That's the question that he's asking us today. Why are you still worried about your provision? After all that you've seen already, Why are you still worried about provision? It's not for you to care about what you need. What causes you to have anxiety about provision? What causes you to be anxious about whether or not you have enough? What's the cause of that? What causes you to be troubled about whether or not you have enough? What causes you to feel feel worried and be worried about whether or not you have enough? sufficiency? What causes you to worry about these things? That's the question that's being asked for you. And I got an answer for you. I think I know why. For the church, for believers, we worry about our provision when we feel that we're on our own. See, if I'm on my own and I see that I ain't got enough, that's a reason to worry. Whenever you feel disconnected, Whenever you feel disconnected, when you see your supply is limited, you get anxious about whether or not you have enough. Whenever you feel disconnected, you then get anxious about whether or not you have enough. Whenever you you fail to see that you're connected to a greater source, whenever you look to yourself, you'll always see yourself having insufficiency. That's what Philip said. Jesus asked, well, Philip, what do we have? Philip responded, not enough. Why? Because Philip was looking at what he had in himself. And whenever you look in yourself to find sufficiency to do what it is that God called you to do, you'll end up answering the same way. I ain't got enough. 
And that's the truth. You don't have enough. And he's not surprised that you don't have enough in yourself to do what it is that he's assigned you to do. There was a parable we'll look at in a few weeks. We, we call it the, the parable of the, pro, of the prodigal son. Y'all heard of that one, right? The lost son, the prodigal son. He had the same problem. The son disconnected himself from the father. He disconnected himself from the source. And in response or as a result of him disconnecting from his source, he found himself insufficient. He found himself not having enough. He disconnected and any other substitute source was insufficient in itself because any source, any source not connected to the source is insufficiency. Any source not connected to the source will end up being insufficient. What do we see in our societies today? What do we see? You look around at any government, any, 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 any country, right? The shortage that you find in any place is because that place, that system isn't connected to the source, to the source. The lost son found himself in that same situation. When you feel detached from the source, you'll be anxious about provision. But I know everybody here, y'all already got enough, right? Am I talking to the right people? Huh? Whenever you see yourself and whenever you look at yourself and you conclude that you don't have enough, it's because you're just looking within yourself. And the truth is, in you, you don't have enough. But when you see yourself being connected to the source, you'll always have enough. Y'all ready to go further? You brought your hard-toed shoes on today? You got your hard-toed shoes on? Just in case I step on your foot, you're going to be all right? You ready? When you realize your misguided purpose, your misguided decisions, when you realize your misguided decisions are, con- are disconnected from his priority, you get anxious about provision. Maybe, sh- maybe I should expect for it to be quiet right now. That wasn't a shouting point, was it? Our misjudgment, our bad judgment, our decisions, our agenda, our own purpose, disconnected from his purpose, disconnected from his agenda, our priority, not connected to his priority, will always leave us in a place where we're anxious about whether or not we have enough. Whenever you interpret your situation and you don't include what he has and you being connected to him, you will see yourself as insufficient. It's foolish, on the other hand, to be anxious about provision when you've been commissioned. I wish Deacon Fred were here. Deacon Fred was a high-ranking officer in the military, Air Force, and he knows about being commissioned. He knows what it means to be commissioned. See, when you're commissioned, you don't have to worry about your provision. 
When you're commissioned, the, 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 the organization or the office or the person that has commissioned you, they provide all the provision you need to accomplish the mission. See, when I realize that I've been commissioned, I don't have to worry about provision. Oh, glory. Let me bring it closer to home. When mama sent you to the store, remember that? Remember mama sent you to the corner store? Get some groceries. Your mama sent you to Publix before, right? You ain't got to worry about whether you got sufficient amount. As long as you remember her agenda, as long as you keep her list, as long as you know her priority, you know she's already given you enough to get what she wanted. Oh, You don't have to concern yourself with provision when you know you've been commissioned. The problem occurs when you add your own items to the list. Anybody ever done that before? This is the problem. When you insert your own agenda on top of his agenda, when you place your priority along with his priority, A problem occurs when you use mama's provisions to purchase items that weren't on her list. And you end up worrying about whether or not you have enough. Come on now. I know I ain't the only one that's been there. (laughs) And now you end up short. Not because she didn't provide you enough, but because you added to the agenda. See, God gave you enough. God gives you enough. The question is, what have you added? What have you added? You end up mismanaging resources that you were given to steward over. The the scripture continues. Jesus says, do you still not see or understand what I say to you? Are your hearts still hard? Verse 18 says, you have good eyes, yet you still don't see. And you have good ears, yet you still don't hear. Neither do you remember. What have you forgotten? What have you forgotten? What has God done for you that you've forgotten about? What's the last miracle? When's the last time he got you out of something that you couldn't get yourself out of? What have you forgotten? Did you forget how he delivered you? Did you forget how he spoke to you when you weren't even speaking to him? Did you forget that he showed up in your life, in your situation when you weren't, you you had nothing to do with him. You weren't even looking for God and God was speaking to you. You weren't one bit saved and he was talking to you. You thought you led yourself out? Did you not forget that he spoke to you when you were in your deepest, darkest? While you called yourself running, he let you know that he's always present. Remember that. What have you forgotten? What has he done in your life that you've forgotten? Did you forget how he delivered you last time? Maybe you need to recall some things. Maybe you need to recall his power. 
Maybe you need to recall his presence. Maybe you need to recall him speaking to you and calling you out and bring you out and drawing you in. Maybe you need to press rewind on some things and remember the things that he's done for you and how he showed love to you when you ain't even love and care about yourself. He showed you that you had value and other people who were supposed to be for you walked away from you. He showed you that he was still there when you didn't even think that you were worthy to have him around. He still stayed anyway. Maybe you need to remember something. What have you forgotten? And how are you interpreting those things? What do you think that meant? What do you think it meant when he showed up and spoke to you while you were still in sin? The Bible says he loved you then. What do you think that meant? What do you think that meant when he made a way for you while you were trying to do it your own way? What do you think that meant when your greatest testimony, your greatest miracle came when you weren't doing nothing? Your greatest breakthrough, the greatest thing that you shout about and you're grateful for is the time when God came into your life when you absent of your own work. He showed up and showed out. Things came into your life and you weren't even expecting them. You thought you was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he showed you that he's right on time every time. Did you forget? What does that mean to you? How do you interpret his intervening in your life? He says, you got good eyes and good ears. You saw what happened. You saw what I did in your life. You got good eyes and good ears. Is your heart still hard? I'm dropping all of these seeds on this stony ground. Is that the problem? Is your heart still hard? I'm scattering seeds and scattering seeds and it don't seem to be catching. Is it because your heart is still hard? See, the problem is not that he's not working. The problem is not that he's not providing. The problem is not that he's not multiplying. The problem is not that he's not increasing. The problem is not that he's not making an oasis in the desert. The problem is not that he's not making ways where there was no way. Is your heart hard? Because I've been loving on you and loving on you and loving on you and you ain't responded yet. Is your heart hard? He asked him, is your heart hard? When I multiplied the bread to feed more than 5,000 people, how many baskets full of leftovers did you gather? Last time you didn't have enough to, you know, you had more month than money and you still made it out the month. Don't you remember that? Your situation was so dark, you didn't think you was going to make it out. Don't you remember that? Relationship was so bad, y'all weren't even sleeping in the same bed, same room. Didn't want to be under the same roof. And look at you now. Don't you remember that? Oh, shoot. When I multiplied food to feed over 4,000, how many large baskets full of leftovers did you gather afterwards? Seven, they replied. Then how is it that you still don't 
get it? How is it that you still don't get it? How is it that you still don't get it? How is it that you still don't get it? How is it that you still don't get it? One translation says he repeated the question over and over again. How is it that you still don't get it? All this evidence, all this evidence built up. How is it that you still don't get it? The conclusion should be simple by now. How is it that you still don't get it? I fed 5,000 families with two fish and five loaves and you in this boat fussing about do we got enough bread? How is it that you still don't get it? I fed 4,000 people with even less than I had the first time and you had seven baskets left over. Why are you fussing over provision? Why are you worried? Why are you anxious? I ain't proved to you by now that I'm going to take care of you. Amen, amen. Ain't it enough evidence? Why didn't they get it? Why didn't they get it? When not only did he provide, the scripture says that he broke the bread, gave to his disciples, his disciples distributed from his provision. It reminds me of another scripture where he says that he'll give you seed. They took the broken bread, they fed the 5,000, and then afterwards they gathered the leftovers and filled 12 baskets. The scripture says, and he'll give you bread. He provides seed for the sower and bread for your table. He provides seed for your sowing, and he'll also provide bread for your table. He provides you seed for your future, and he'll provide bread for your today. He's that type of God. He gives us a perfect picture of the kingdom in operation. So we left these accounts thinking that this was about a miracle. We left thinking that the feeding of the 5,000 was about a miracle. And that's all we've been looking for is miracles. But I want to remind you that his point was not a miracle. The point and purpose was not a miracle. The point and purpose was not to show people a miracle. The point and purpose was not so that you continue to look for miracles. But the point was to let you know that if you've received him, then you've got all that you need already. No matter what the situation, when it seems impossible, if you allow me to multiply what you have, you have more than what you need. Oh, glory. Oh, my goodness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You'll see provision when you seek to meet other people's needs because that is the way of the kingdom. When I align myself with the kingdom's way, when I take the king's agenda and make it my agenda, when I put people's needs over my need as a citizen in the kingdom. See, I decided a long time ago that I'm not going to be a part of the crowd. I decided a long time ago that I'm not a Pharisee. I'm not a part of the religious group, but I am a disciple. I am a follower of Christ. I am in his community. I'm a citizen of his kingdom. And as a citizen of his kingdom, as a follower of Jesus, I got to do things Jesus way. His way is to put people's needs before your own. And what this parable, what this story, what this account tells us, 
But the feeding of the 5,000 shows us is that when I put people's needs above my needs, I can draw from Jesus. I'll draw from Jesus. I can meet their need and I'll have mine met as well. Because that's how my king operates. He never asks me to do something in myself. But whenever he asks me to do something, I'm going to do it with him. And I got the whole kingdom backing me. I got the whole kingdom backing me. The little that I have ends up being trust. The little that I have represents trust. The little that I present to him represents a seed. The little that I present to him represents the material, the material that I present to him so that he can multiply that material and make enough material. Because I started with not enough material, but I brought it to the one who can multiply the material. The one who took the immaterial and made all the material can multiply any material that I bring to him so that I can have enough material for everything that needs to be done. I can draw from Jesus. I can draw from Jesus. Glory to God. I draw from Jesus. Even greater than that. Even greater than that. In John 6, if you read through John 6, you'll find the same account. Jesus feeding the 5,000, but it gives us a different perspective. This time it starts out by showing us the crowd. Showing us the crowd. The crowd is following Jesus because they saw a miracle. And Jesus checks them on that. You follow me because I fed you with bread. You're not following me because you saw God in me. The Pharisees, the religious people, they come and question him. Now imagine Jesus. He's got the crowd in front of him. The Pharisees are in front of him. His disciples, his followers, the people in his community, they're there. They're with him as well. Jesus asked this question to them. The same question he's asking those who follow him now. Why do you keep seeking Bread that will only leave you hungry again. Why do you seek after that which is insufficient in itself? You eat this bread, you're going to be back asking for more bread. See, if you don't understand the meaning of the miracle, if you don't understand what I'm really communicating to you, then you're going to be back to eating, looking for more bread. The point here was not for you to come back looking for more bread. The religious people tried to get smart with him and they, they, they questioned him and he said, if you are, if you who, if you're who you say you are, see that's because some people today still chasing Jesus for the same reason. Some people today are still looking for Jesus to meet their need and that's about all they want. Just get me out of this one, Jesus. Get me out of this one, Jesus. Show up again for me, Jesus. And that's the only type of conversation they have. But Jesus says, if you approach me like that, you'll always be looking for bread. The religious people tried to get smart with him and say, you know what? God fed our fathers with manna. It was a miracle. 
God fed our fathers with the miracle bread from heaven. I want you to do the same thing for me. If you're Jesus and you do the same thing for me, you perform a miracle in my life. Just like the miracle bread fell from heaven and fed the people, I want you to miraculously feed me. And Jesus said, you don't know what you're talking about. The bread that your fathers received was not the bread from heaven. It was natural bread to feed your natural flesh. Because after they ate it, they stayed hungry. Oh, I don't know. Maybe everybody won't be able to come with me on this statement right here. But I believe that there are some people that's going to follow me. I believe that there's some people that are ready to get to the point where they're no longer looking. I believe that there's some people in here that are ready to see themselves as no longer insufficient. But I know that there's some people in here that are ready to say that, you know what? When I receive Jesus, I receive everything that I need. And my sufficiency is in him. I'm sufficient because of Christ's sufficiency. Because the truth of the matter is what Jesus told him is that bread only leaves you hungry. But I am. I'm the living bread. I'm the bread from heaven. When you've received of me, when you eat of me, you'll never be hungry again. I'm the only thing that can satisfy you. I'm the only thing that can fill you up. I'm the provision. You eat of me, you'll never be hungry again. You drink of me, you'll never be thirsty again. See, the point of the, of the miracle, the point of the miracle was to show the people that the one who was the supply as well as the source had already arrived. The source and the supply, the one that could give you sufficiency. Jesus, the bread of life, the living bread was manifested, present in front of them. If you receive me, you'll never have a need. You'll never be in want when you understand that you have me. And that's the same message that he's telling the church today. That's the same message that he's telling the church today. It's the same message that he's telling his followers today. It's the same message that he's telling the community today. You shouldn't be worried about your needs if you've received me. So that your need, your need now being met, you can look past you. And look to other people. I thank you for that one amen. I'll take that amen. That was a point right there. I don't know. I don't. That was the point right there. I'm going to hang my hat on that one right there. If my need is met, I ain't got to worry about my need no more. If I got what I need, I ain't got to worry about my needs no more. If I'm already filled up and sufficient, I ain't got to worry about what's in it for me. I can then use my energy, use my ability, use my talent to look to meet somebody else's need because that's how the kingdom works. I've been commissioned. I've already been supplied. I got enough provision because he's commissioned me. He's given me what I need in order to do what he wants done. And as long as I focus on what he wants done, I ain't got to worry about me. I can go out and meet the needs of the people because as long as the disciples were drawing from Jesus, what they gave them multiplied and they are able to meet the needs of the multitude. As long as we draw from Jesus, church, as long as we draw from Jesus, disciple, as long as we draw from Jesus, follower, as long as we draw from Jesus, citizen, we got what we need to meet the needs of the people. And that's how we see provision come. Glory to God. (laughs) Stand on your feet.
We pray that today's message was a blessing to you. If you would like to help us further expand the vision, simply text the word GIVERTM to the number 41444 or visit us online at www.revealingtruth.org. Now remember, Jesus loves you.